Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics and emerging issues. I'm your host, Carly McMoore, and together with the AJP, I'm bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like and rate each episode and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. This is a podcast on maternity leave. I was inspired to do this podcast recently with my recent experience with maternity leave. When I listened to other people's experiences with their workplaces and with their colleagues, I was inspired to share some information for both employers and employees and some considerations as to how to open up the conversation to make sure that people are being heard and still have opportunities but still feel like they can talk to their company if they want to make any changes to their work. There are a number of people that have had both good and bad experiences with maternity leave, so please listen in to hear about some of these experiences and some advice for employers and employees by keeping open communication and discussing things ongoingly with respect to changes and also about expectations. I guess as a new mum, we always think about creating the baby space, creating the baby's room, the changes in relationships, the changes in your energy and your priorities are things that get some spoken about somewhat but not fully focused on. But I guess the changes in your workplace and how you're perceived by both your employer, your manager, your colleagues is something that's a big consideration for people when they find out that they're going to become a new mum. They're thinking, when I tell my work that I'm having a baby, will this affect my training? Will I still be eligible for promotions? Will my interactions change with my boss and my other colleagues? Will more or less of me be expected as my pregnancy progresses? Some people, when they tell um, their employers that they're pregnant, they're told that maybe you don't need to have training this year because you're about to go on to maternity leave and you're not really going to get the full benefits of it in this like working year. Sometimes they're told that, Promotions, you know, you can be made aware of them and we can contact you about them. But in actual experiences, very few, I don't think I've heard of anybody specifically that has been promoted during maternity leave um, or just following. There's a lot about how colleagues and bosses interact because your colleagues will now have to think someone else is going to come in and replace you and they're going to have to, you know, adapt to a new working environment and a new employee. And your boss is thinking how do I engage with this person to still make sure they feel utilised but not overworked but still having opportunities? It's a very tight balance, I guess, even for employers to consider. And also, when should you tell your work? So for colleagues, I guess, um, I, w- I guess I was lucky that I don't work in an office so we don't have to work together consistently. But I guess even when I worked at the pharmacy, there are people can actually tell. I guess a few people managed to figure it out. Some just by the way that I was bending when I was trying to get patient records that were a little bit lower down or um, when you go to work-related functions and you don't drink alcohol and people can tell in that way as well and they start to make assumptions. So there are a few um, incidences where I guess people found out. But on the whole, I guess my colleagues were very considered and um, quite a few of them tried to um, help, like within the pharmacy carrying loads or doing things like that. Um, And I guess for other people, I guess it meant that they were making some shorter term plans because sometimes you make business plans for the year or for next year. And it meant that I wasn't going to actually be part of next year's business plans. 
So how much, um, I think how much contact an employee wants when they're on maternity leave is probably based on the relationship they've had with their colleagues and their workplace even prior to going on work leave, on maternity leave. So I think some people have had really good experiences and it feels like the company's um, going through the process with them and they're excited about their part possibly even part of the baby shower. They're excited about finding out about the baby's name and they want to know that you're healthy and well. Um, there are some other employee, employees that they don't have those amazing stories where they're put under enormous amounts of pressure and stress prior to going on to maternity leave. They're entirely grateful to be on maternity leave and other than letting their work know that they're safe and the baby's safe, they really don't want to be brought into company politics or expectations and demands being placed on them. Um, and I think that's a really big consideration, but I really do think it's about the quality of the interactions you have with both your manager, your colleagues and your workplace probably prior to going on to maternity leave. And I've heard both positive and negative um, scenarios in that. But I would say that when people um, return to work, so I think when you have your baby, obviously you go through so many changes, both um, physically, emotionally, all of your relationships change, all of your priorities change. And, you know, sometimes it's just about one goal a day, whether it's the laundry or, and it's trying to sleep um, in theory when the baby sleeps, but that's really hard because you still have lots of other things that you'd like to get done as well. Um, but I'd say that when you come back to work, um, I made the choice to go back to work full time. And the reason that I made that choice was because I, I knew from experience that a majority of people that went back to work part time still ended up um, in a number of experiences working full time hours just for getting paid for part time work. Um, and when I was in my mum's group, you know, we were all in our little cocoon of, you know, that, that in between time of what you were like as a, a married couple um, expecting a baby and then before you go back out into the world and try to reintegrate work back into your life with your new family dynamics. Um, and we were all talking about what we kind of expected work to be like when we went back. Um, and it's different for everybody. Like I, I changed companies within uh, six weeks of returning back to work. I had a big change. Um, and I would say that um, a number of my colleagues were working evenings. Um, I know people that are working until 11 o'clock at night and, and weekends and things like that just to make up their hours because the expectations are quite high on them. Even speaking to one of my friends this week, she was like, you know, I, I was working till 11 o'clock at night and I couldn't get up this morning. It was really hard. And so, and that's a person who's just, she's still working four days a week. So the reality is that I went back full time knowing that the expectations would likely um, still be full-time, but I'd be getting paid part-time hours and that's why I went back to full-time work and it allows me to balance that um, work week over five days as well. And I guess from employers' perspectives, they have a lot to consider as well. They wonder... They don't want to ask too many questions, I guess, to burden someone, especially if you're a first-time mother. You don't know all the answers. When do you want to work until... Like, I didn't know the answer. And that's also part of the reason I didn't tell my work until I was five months because I was thinking I was going to get asked lots of questions like, how long do you want to take off as maternity leave? And when are you going to take time off? And I, I didn't know the answers. I wanted to see how the pregnancy progressed to see how, um, how I felt and try to figure out what the future might look like. But it was a guessing game for everybody. I guess employers wonder, will their pregnant staff member require much sick leave? Um they're looking at having to potentially hire a replacement while that person is on maternity leave. They don't want to put too much pressure on the staff member. Um, 
But then sometimes opportunities are taken away as well. Um, I knew of a colleague whose workplace literally said, well, now that you, you know, I will just give you this little amount of work, you should be able to manage it. And this person felt very, um, like they were shocked. They were very upset that their workplace had made the decision for them to reduce their work um, based on the fact that they were pregnant and they weren't asked because um, they were happy to continue that workload um, until I guess until they felt that they couldn't. And I guess sometimes you can, what a company's culture and guidelines on maternity, sometimes as an employer, you know how other people have been treated when they've been on maternity. And that does create a culture of, I don't know, fear or excitement. It, it can create lots of emotions, but there is always a history there. Sometimes workplaces have some very um, interesting documentation for you to sign when you go on maternity leave. And sometimes um, it, I guess it hasn't been looked at and maybe sometimes it feels like even the last five years, sometimes even when they try to refer to things like um, if something goes wrong or if you have a miscarriage, how do they try to um, how do they try to incorporate that? And I find that sometimes just having a look at the maternity paperwork might actually be um, for companies and having a look at that might actually be quite advantageous. Might be quite advantageous because sometimes the wording... Um, could be revised um, and also there's a lot of paperwork um, so when someone says that they're pregnant there's a lot of paperwork um, so that affects both the employer and the employee well as soon as I found out that I was pregnant yeah definitely I wanted to find out about other people's experiences ironically I was in a situation where no one had taken maternity leave for a few years so everyone had to go back to the paperwork um, and go back to the drawing board um, I would say that I also found out from people who just returned back from work from maternity leave to try to gauge when I thought I might be ready to return back from maternity leave, how they felt when they came back to the company, how they were treated and how they found balancing work and life. So I actually found that I was asking a lot more people those questions to try to understand their journey, to try to figure out what my journey might look like so that I could give my company some answers. So I found that I was a lot more drawn to people um, who'd had those experiences, yeah, so I can hear their stories. I remember talking to somebody prior to them going on maternity leave and just asking them if they were going to, you know, what it looked like for them and how long they might be taking off for maternity leave. And they literally said, it depends on what opportunities come up at work and if they want to go back and take a promotion because a role comes up that they're interested in. It depends on what it looked like for their husband in case their husband got offered an opportunity and he went back to work um, and had to go back full time. It depends on how soon they wanted to have their second child. So there's so many questions. And even if people want to go back to work, because sometimes people decide not to, I don't know if people will always know those answers prior to taking maternity leave it's just keeping your mind and your options open as you go through the experience and you learn and then you start making decisions along the way as well I think I know um, I've known a few pharmacists that have had other full-time jobs and have worked in pharmacies evenings and weekends and I've actually known quite a few people who've done that and and they imagine that they would go back um, you know when the child was like one or two and then they actually had another child or and they actually haven't returned back to pharmacy in a couple of years and they have another full-time job. So I think you have to, so prior to you, you put some money away because you still have to pay for those things during that year. Um, you can do your CPD as you do it. And if you do feel that you want to um, 
do at least a few hours in a pharmacy just to keep your confidence up because I think that's the thing that changes like when you reintegrate back into the working world it's actually your confidence that um that needs to I don't know get back to where it was and also your memory like I remember when I first started and I first got back to work you have to accept like for me I was like wow I'm not actually the same person that I was when I left and you had to relearn some skills um just to get back to where you were and I was like well I like that was some of the things because your confidence um even just getting your sentences out as effectively as you used to I think I think that your confidence your experience and getting back into the game that I think was for me after just I had about 10 months off and I think that I was definitely getting restless by that point um and it was it was nice to have some of the opportunities because obviously we were still in COVID time so I I got to reintegrate back into work in a in a different time I still got to work a lot from home so I still got to balance um spending quite a bit of time with our child and my family and still um and still working so it was actually a time and a great time for me to reintegrate back into the world as everybody else was trying to navigate the new COVID world as well. So it was a very interesting time. And I still worked on the podcast during maternity leave. So I was still was engaged with pharmacists and was still hearing their story and was still contributing to the pharmacy workforce. And that was, I found great enjoyment in doing that. So I think I just found things that I guess worked around the family timetable. Um, and still found a way to be engaged. So I guess sometimes <laughs> conversations don't always go well um, when people tell their employers that they're going to take maternity leave or when they're going to have a baby. Sometimes even travel expectations of companies of mothers. I know of mothers that have been expected to go away for three nights um, away from their family for um, rotations away from home and that was up to eight months of them being pregnant. It wasn't also necessarily discussion. So I found that sometimes travel expectations on employees um, are still quite high, despite the fact that they, you know, obviously the closer you get to your due date, um, you want to, I think you do become very nesting. You do want to spend time at home and you do want to make sure that you're close to um, the hospital that you've chosen and your specialist um, that you've chosen because you want to make sure that also you have a right to have the maternity and the birthing experience that you've dreamt and wanted to have and the safety um, and the comfort of your specialist and hospital for the delivery of your baby. And that's your right too. So if it doesn't always go right... Um, then I guess sometimes people think it's simple just to talk to HR at a company. Um, sometimes people are given additional workplace pressures during pregnancy. Some, I've even heard of an employer, employee that was told um, that you have to earn your maternity leave um, while they were at work and pregnant and working. So sometimes people think that maybe you can talk to HR, but this brings the situation to the company's attention, which is a pro. But And it does mean that somebody else can intervene, a third person. Um, however, a number of companies have cultures and expectations that are both spoken and unspoken, and they tend to be uniform between departments. So it's definitely something to consider, but um, but they yeah, discussions don't always go the way that you expect in any capacity. And I think that sometimes things even go to the next step where I do know of a colleague that um, did actually speak to a lawyer following her experience um, of being pregnant at work. She 
did describe some experiences of feeling bullied and it not being handled well by the company. She actually did quit the job um, while she was pregnant and forego her maternity leave. And when she spoke to a lawyer, she was informed that there is a, a very short statute of limitations on holding a account, company accountable um, if they don't handle maternity well. And she also was very considered that she didn't want to put herself under that kind of pressure in her late stages of pregnancy. There's also a high burden of proof. And she was also told um, to consider the low potential rewards versus the effort that is required to hold the company accountable. Um, so basically, she decided not to take legal action following this experience. But that's not the same for everybody. And I guess it's just being aware that there is that statute of limitations and I guess always recording things. So recording things, recording dates, recording conversations, recording witnesses, keeping a log, um, that's to protect yourself. And also to consider that even paternity discussions don't go well. So partners can also be affected by company cultures where within organizations where sometimes people are not encouraged to take paternity leave sometimes they're afraid it might affect their opportunities for promotions and progressions um i know of a male colleague who told um his colleagues that you know he wanted to step up and take a, a bigger role in the company and they were asked and that person was asked if they were able to considering the changes that were going to happen in their family they'd already obviously taken this into consideration prior to trying to go for that role but it just reminds you that it affects all people um not just um the pregnant person but it and also the family dynamics but also their partners as well so it's important for expectant mums mums to be as prepared as possible when telling their companies about their pregnancy because you still got to think about the health and safety perspective that the company is liable for as well. Um, that if they ask you to do something and they don't know that you're pregnant and you haven't told them, then you're putting them in a very challenging position. Um, I would suggest having discussions early on about travel. Um, and I would say maybe asking them to bear with you while you go through your journey, while you decide how long you, know, you might want to take off as maternity leave and when you might want to take that leave off. Um, and obviously it's important for employers to remember that expectant mothers do not have all the answers. Um, the energy levels will vary. Um, some jobs might not be able to be undertaken, but that expectant mothers may still have career aspirations and goals that they'll be working towards. And the most important thing is just to have an open discussion and an ongoing discussion. That's what's key. So to have open opportunities to discuss how things are going for the expectant mother and to have these ongoingly as things change so that the expectant mother also feels like they can come at you and say, okay, so yes, the first trimester was a little bit tiring, but now my energy is a little bit better or now actually I'm feeling a little bit more nausea. They should be able to um, incorporate that and feel confident to talk to their employers because that is a big part of their work-life balance as well. So returning to work. Now this one's a big one. So for returning to work, employers... I would suggest to have transitional processes in place for mothers who return to work to help them with the readjustment. It is a big readjustment. And like I said, for me, um, it was getting my confidence back. It was getting back into the routine of your brain being work and family and trying to balance them both. Even just the mornings are so much more chaotic um, to get out of the house. So 
their transition processes in place, having standard operating procedures in place for bullying and how to handle it because that does happen. Um, sometimes they're still victim blaming without taking accountability of company culture or the rights of a person to have a safe working environment. So it would be great to have even an inclusion and reintegration um, policy back into the workforce. Because I think that sometimes a lot of focus is put on to prior to having the baby, but not a lot of focus is put on to the person when they come back to work, having to readjust to the working lifestyle. So there are many ethical, legal and political considerations with regards to maternity. Um, and this leads to many women having stress at a time when they should be excited and planning and dreaming. Um, and it can be, and it can lead to workplaces being held accountable legally or ethically being questioned as to how they treated or enabled a staff member to be treated during their pregnancy and early parenthood. So I would recommend having standard operating procedures in place, not just for maternity and not just for um, uh, documentation to say when the person's going to take the time off and when they're going to come back, but to have reintegration um, guidelines and processes in place for maternity to just provide some structure around the process. Because having the right processes, the right documentation and open frequent discussions are a great great start to resolve some of these situations and start and to try to prevent some problems from occurring before they do. Um, which, so I would advise people, so if situations do go wrong, to keep records of dates, witnesses, discussions, emails, share between yourselves and your employers for any reference. Looking at the statute of limitations and receiving any legal advice um, regarding your situation, as well as speaking to other colleagues who might be experiencing a similar situation or who have experienced a similar situation. Um, and speaking to colleagues to also try to understand the culture of the employer and the company with regards to gender equality and parental leave. Because also sometimes when women come back to work, like I said, they may be working part-time with full-time expectations. Their pay may not reflect their the actual hours that they're committing. Um, and this is a really big consideration for people returning to work because when they're trying to balance um, parenthood as well as work, it leads to very exhausting days with families and work and then working nights and working weekends. Um, and a number of times this is always unpaid. So I would say when returning to work, there are still notable wage disparities between males and females in the workplace. Um, and women being of childbearing age. So taking time off for maternity leave and coming back to work with your young children can affect wages and career progression. But the benefits to a company of supporting maternity leave and having good discussions is a good culture can prevent losses from companies in sick leave and legal costs, as well as cost to reputation. To believe that we still have such challenging experiences regarding maternity leave, regarding parents returning to work, it, it really does feel sad. And a number of people, when sharing their experiences, prefer to remain anonymous um, because they're scared of any repercussions that can occur when they do share their stories. And that's, I guess, showing how much progress there still is to be made in this area. So I hope this podcast has given both employers and employees some points to consider. Um, some ways to better prepare themselves for 
conversations, some factors to consider and some ways to prevent problems from happening. And also if problems do happen, how to maybe um, prepare for the next step. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any thoughts, comments or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP website forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please follow us on Twitter at AJP podcast and send us a message.